0: Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to our latest sermon, a sermon about the character and nature of Jesus. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to invite you to do two things. First, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe. We put out a new sermon every week and we're going to upload some bonus sermons soon. I think I already told you about that. We have the first sermon I ever preached at our church 16 years ago a sermon I preached from the only pulpit Martin Luther King Jr. preached from in Oregon, and some other sermons I preached at different places as a guest. So please subscribe. The other thing I'd love for you to do is connect with us on social media. We think it is awesome that our sermons get listened to by a lot of people around the world. We think it is awesome that you are one of those people, and we want to connect with you. One of the best places to do that is on Instagram. Our church's username is Picks and... I'm Chad A. Harms. I mean it when I say we want to connect, it would be great to be able to see your faces even if it's just on a screen. Again, thanks for taking some time to listen to this sermon. I hope that it will help you learn and live more fully for the glory of God. Today we start uh, a study through the book of of John and I'm going to be preaching through the book of John along with uh, some others who will fill in for me. Uh, until next June. And uh, if you weren't around with us last year, which was you know probably half of you in this room right now, then uh, you don't know how we did this through Romans, but we're kind of going to do that again. We went through the book of Romans last year, uh, and we did it by breaking it down into different sermon series that kind of fit, hopefully fit, this was the goal, with kind of the, the normal breaks and subjects in the book of Romans. And uh, we're going to try to do that—that that same thing—as we move along through the book of John. As you could guess, if you know the Bible, if you know the book of John, it's all going to be centered on Jesus. But we're going to—we're going to break it up and and maybe see some different things through the life of of Jesus. And uh, today we begin this this first series. And as you saw, it's called the Word. And and this one I think is so important because it it really dives into something that I think is different than than what we usually think about when it comes to Jesus. And not only Jesus, but just people in general. Here's a, a question that I thought of as I was working on this sermon this week. Like, I wonder how many people really know me. And and I know that lots of people know what I do, and I don't just mean, you know, for work. I don't just mean that I'm a pastor, but they know my actions. But how many people really know me? And, and probably you could think about that question and think very few, right, that actually truly know you. And uh, a part of that is simply, I think, that we live in a, in a time and in a country where we are really obsessed with what people do, and we couldn't care less about who people are, and and I know that in part because after you've learned somebody's name, what's the next question that you ask them, right? You say, what do you do? That's the question that we ask. We never ask about who people are. I know that even feels kind of awkward, right? Like, who are you, you know, after you got the name? It would be uncomfortable for for me if you asked me that, And, and it would probably be uncomfortable for you if I asked you that we, we, we know frequently about the things that people do, but we rarely know about who people are. And I think that is far too often true when it comes to Jesus. Like, we know a lot about what Jesus did, but sometimes we, we know less, often we know less about who Jesus really is. And in this first section of the book of John, he just launches right in. He gets heavy real fast. You know, I mean, there's no uh, there's no genealogy for Jesus in the book of John. He just he just wants you to know ahead of time who Jesus is, so that when he tells you the story of Jesus' life, it's not in a vacuum. It's not like you're just reading about what some guy did. You're reading about a guy who you understand, you know, who he is, even before you look at what he did. And, and today, I think this is, this is the most important idea. As we begin, we read some of the verses already. We're just looking at verses 1 and 2 of John chapter 1 today. And, and really, what I think John, you know, at the very beginning wants us to understand is simply this. In Jesus, we find the answers. To the questions that we have about God. In Jesus, we find the answers to the questions that we have about God. Now, before we get there, before we look at that, I just want to I just want to tell you about the book of John. It's it's one of the, the four kind of writings within the Bible where we learn about the life of Jesus. And it's different than the other three, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In fact, those three are often called the synopsis gospels because they're so similar, and John is vastly different. Uh, there's not a lot of background information that you need to make John, you know, important to your life. It's not like I need to get up here and talk about who he's writing to or, you know, authorship issues or things like that. But but there's, I think, one thing that that will become clear as we go through, but I just want to have it out there up front. In a lot of ways, the book of John is is simpler than the other three gospels. His language is much simpler, but at the same time, and I don't think I'd tell Matthew, Mark, or Luke this when I get to heaven with them someday, but but at the same time, like, he's in a lot of ways much deeper than they are. If you're a deep person, uh, then The book of John will connect with you. If if you're like me, then then it's a harder book. I'm not that deep. I'm pretty simple. And I like reading Mark. It's just a bunch of actions of Jesus. And it makes sense to me. But John, you know, I've heard it described like an onion. And you peel away one layer and you find that there's another layer. And this is how he communicates about the life of Jesus. And, And I think in large part, it's because of this single idea that I've already brought up. The gospel of John, more, I think, than the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is driven by who Jesus is and less by what Jesus simply does. Now, obviously, those things go together, right? Because no person, you know, just does in a vacuum and no person is in a vacuum. Who we are, in large part, defines what we do. But John, in some ways, is just more focused on that who part over the what part of Jesus' life. And at the end of of John, the book of John, uh, the author says this in John 20, 30 and 31, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The goal of the writing of John is to help people understand, perhaps you, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, so that you might have belief in him. John tells us, the author says, hey, my goal in writing this book is to help you understand who Jesus is, the Messiah, the Son of God, so that you might have life in him. Now, life, I, you'll, you'll never remember this, but I'm just going to say it now. Um, maybe maybe when you're sleeping at night, you'll have a dream about it or something. I don't know. But like, life is a big, big deal in the book of, of John. He's going to talk a lot about eternal life and life. And, and so just that idea right there, put that in your head. We'll, we'll come back to it over and over and over again. But in these first two verses, we see uh, what, what one author called the keynote and theme of the entire story for John. And here's what it says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The first phrase here, if you've, if you've started to read the Bible ever, if you've ever even started the Bible, then the first phrase might ring a bell, right? Because in the beginning of the Bible, it says, in the beginning. And John is drawing our minds back to the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis is the first book in the Bible, and the first two verses say this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. Before the creation of the earth, the Word was the word was. And you may have guessed this, but the word, as it turns out in the book of John, is Jesus. And so we can't miss this because it's an incredible statement. He is saying before the world was, Jesus was. Now, as I say that, like, you know, I can hear your pushback, even my own pushback, because we'd say, well, wasn't Jesus conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin, laid in a manger? What about Christmas? And Uh, it's true that in the book of Luke, we see the origin of Jesus. And John will even cover this in a different way in John 1.14. We'll look at that in this series of sermons just a couple of weeks away. But what John wants us to understand is maybe more accurately this. This is my statement, but it's more accurate than perhaps what I just said. The being we celebrate at Christmas existed before creation. The being we celebrate at Christmas existed before creation. There is so much about this that is important, but I just want you to think about how crazy of a declaration that is. The word is Jesus, and... And John wants you to know that the being that we call Jesus existed long before his birth that we celebrated at Christmas. That we celebrated Christmas. He existed before the creation of the world. And and I think there's a big deal because because it, it shows us partly who Jesus is. It's easy for people to look at the life of Jesus and to say... You know, I like that guy. I think he was loving and kind and a great teacher. And some of his teachings have withstood the test of time. We finished the Sermon on the Mount not long ago, right? And so much of that just rings true for people, even if they don't care at all about who Jesus is. It's like, well, he said these things and that's really awesome. But John begins in a place that, 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 that you really have to wrestle with. You can't just blindly accept this. He says that being that we call Jesus, he existed before the world was formed. In the beginning, the word was. Now, I told you the word is Jesus, but it's an interesting thing to, to say. Like, I mean, why? Why the phrase the word? Why is this how he chooses to identify Jesus in in his gospel? What is the significance of the word? I think a lot, to be honest with you. The, the Greek word that, that translates the word is this word logos, which maybe you've heard before if you've been in church circles. It was a widely, this is what makes it interesting to me, and, and I hope I don't bore you in the next few minutes because I'm, I'm intrigued. The, this word logos was used in a variety of contexts. Like, for example, as simple as like in a kindergarten class, I don't think they called it kindergarten class then, but to say, do you know what this word is, right? Like that simply, logos could just be used that simply like a word, right? But more importantly, it was used in philosophical and theological ways by various groups at the time in which this this letter, this book of John was written. And uh, again, I hope this won't bore you, but but I think this is so important, and and you just you, you don't remember the details. Just just stay with me and see kind of the big idea of how it was used. Uh, Logos was used to refer to somebody's inner thought, like reason, uh, like how we reason inside of us. It was also used. This, now you're going to see how crazy it gets. It was also used as an outward expression, not just like words, but a message, like. Like the word, you know, like I'm bringing you the word, a message. And this is where it gets, I think, more interesting. The Gnostics use Logos as the connecting force and principle that bound the eternal cosmos to the individual soul. So this kind of metaphysical force that was out there, they, they might see it kind of like we see God. The Logos was the thing that bound that force to... Humans, they also used it for wisdom. The Stoics used logos as a rational principle by which everything existed, in which which humans had their essence. Then Philo, who who really, you know, used this word, he went all out with it. Uh, He was a, a philosopher at the time of John. He used the word as the mediating principle between God and matter, all matter, including humanity. Now, if you have theological background, you start to immediately, some of those things trigger you. If, if you've grown up in church, if you know some things about Jesus, there's some triggers there, right? Like, like oh, like creator and mediator and... Uh, the one that connects us like i 'm starting to see all of those things, and, and, and I just want to say up front that probably none of these things are the actual background that that John has in mind, the, the most specific background. but it does seem very intentional that he takes this word that so many people are using. In order to try to find expression for these big questions. About how we connect to the eternal force that we call God. But they, you know, maybe didn't have the same name for. And, and, and what is it that that makes us spiritual beings? Like we don't just feel like we're completely physical, and what is that, that 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 makes us so that that we seem like there's there's something else to us besides just our bodies and our emotions and our minds? Like, what is that thing, and and is there a way to be connected to the one that maybe created us, and they may not have said the one, but like, whatever created us, is there a way to be connected to that? And John takes this word that all of them kind of put into their philosophical, theological nuances in different ways. And he says, let me tell you about it. Let me tell you how to answer those questions. I said at the beginning that the answers to the questions that you ask about God are found in Jesus. And I think that's exactly why Paul uses sorry, Paul, Romans. uh, Why why the author of John uses this word is to say, hey, you're all searching for answers about the divine. And you can find those answers in the person named Jesus. Jesus. Do you want wisdom from God? Jesus. Do you want to know what God is like? Jesus. Do you want a relationship with God? Jesus. That's, that's what John is saying to us up front. Frederick Godet says, The unknown mediator between God and the word, the knowledge of whom you are striving after, we have seen, heard, and touched. Your philosophical and your scripture subtitles will never raise you to him. Believe as we do in Jesus, and you will possess him, that divine revealer who engages your thoughts. I love the way he said that, that the thing that they were looking for, was Jesus. And they couldn't identify that. It was just a philosophy. It was, it, it was just questions about why we exist and how we exist and who made us exist and, and what that, that person or being or thing is like. And, and, and John comes along and says, you can find those answers in the one that we call Jesus. We have known him. We, we know him. The answers to the questions that you ask about God are found in, in Jesus, and and man, if you don't believe me, then, then that's fine, if you don't believe the author of John, that's fine, but I would invite you to, to come along this journey through the book of John with us, and just maybe say, is that right, because that's a hard thing to accept if you just take two verses, I mean, hey, the answers to your questions about God are all found in Jesus, like, yeah, okay, like, thanks for telling me, buddy, uh, but but I think as, as you look at the life of Jesus as revealed in the book of John, you start, you start to see, at least I have, that that very well might be true. Like that might actually make sense. And everything that follows is really, is really John's effort to show like, hey, this, this only makes sense. This makes sense that you can find the answers to your questions about God in Jesus. I mean, you must remember, I think, it's important to remember that this author is not like some guy who wrote, you know, hundreds or thousands of years later. This is a person who knew Jesus and walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus and loved Jesus and Jesus loved him. They were friends. They were good friends. And he, this author who knew Jesus personally, looks at at the world and he pens these words and he says... If you have questions about God, you can find them in my friend. You don't have a friend like that, right? I think that's compelling evidence that maybe what he writes is true. But more specifically, I think John actually has the Old Testament in mind when he says the word. Uh, the author quotes John uh, quotes a lot in the old testament the hebrew word for the word is connected to lots of ideas in the old testament that that actually apply to jesus as john works his way through the life of jesus Uh, The word is connected to creation and revelation and wisdom and deliverance and healing and salvation. And man. if you've been in church at all and you hear those words, they're such churchy words, aren't they? And it's because they're all connected to Jesus. And so John is taking this, this idea from the Old Testament about God's working in our world through his word. The word. Like God speaks and creation happens, right? Let there be light and there is light. And now he is saying, look... Here is the same being God has come to earth in the person of Jesus. D.A. Carson says this. He's a very smart theologian who wrote an incredible book on the book of John. He says, God's word in the Old Testament is his powerful self-expression in creation, revelation, and salvation. And the personification of that word makes it suitable for John to apply it as a title to God's ultimate self-disclosure the person of his own son. This brings us back to the the point of the book that Jesus is the son of God and John wants you to believe that so that you might have life. And and the phrase, the word, it really encapsulates in a single phrase that idea that Jesus is the son of God. This is a, a big idea that Jesus is the son of God and one that we will come back to a lot as we study our way through the book of, of John, but it's important. It's important now for us just again to say that is a big claim. Is it true? And John's going to show us that it is as he reveals to us the life of Jesus. But there's these other phrases here that are important too. The word was with God. This is repeated in verse two. If Jesus existed before creation, the question becomes, where was he? And, uh, and it's answered with, God, with God. This word with is kind of important. I know that sounds stupid, but uh, it's important because it really reveals two things about Jesus, both that he was personally in relationship with God and that he was present with God. That word with is used in those ways throughout the New Testament. He was present physically with God and he was with God in a relationship, a personal relationship with God. A big idea. But the next statement perhaps feels even more amazing. And you might be prone to skip ahead where it says the word was God, but we must stop here and we must say, uh, not only did Jesus exist, just think about this. You can't just say, you can't just say, like, I, I kind of like Jesus when you when you, when you really consider what John is saying here. Not only did Jesus exist before the world began, before the creation of the world, not only did he exist but he was present with and intimately connected to God before any of this was made. That is the claim at the beginning of this book. You cannot understand Jesus rightly or worship him fully if you don't believe that he was present with and intimately connected to God before the creation of the world. And that idea makes this next statement, as I said, both awe-inspiring and really difficult because it says next, the word was God. Before the world was created, Jesus was with God, and still is, and he was God. Arthur Pink says a more emphatic and unequivocal affirmation of the absolute deity of the Lord Jesus Christ is impossible to conceive. Let me say that differently. This is perhaps the greatest statement that says Jesus, the man that we celebrate at Christmas and Easter, that Jesus is in fact the God of the universe the the wording here is interesting because it actually emphasizes god and people kind of skip over these verses we read them earlier you may not have thought about jesus being divine in any way as we read them together but but the the emphasis here is like an exclamation point is on on this the word jesus being god and and the entirety of the book is meant to be read with these words in mind the deeds and words of jesus as one author says are the deeds and words of God? If this is not true, then the book is blasphemous. For example, in John eight fifty eight, Jesus answered, "Before Abraham was born, I am." This is a declaration of deity, and immediately, if you've, if you've never heard this story, the story, the, the Jewish people around him they pick up stones to kill him because they know that he is claiming to be God. The background for the story I happened to read the other day in the book of Exodus. A guy named Moses. He asks this burning bush who he is, and it's God, and the burning bush responds, I am, as a name, like a proper noun, I am. And so when Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am, he is saying, I am God. And they all knew it, and some people, some you know, modern day thinkers, writers, they try to say, ah, oh, he wasn't really claiming that, but the people who were standing next to him were ready to kill him because they believed he was making such a blasphemous claim, and that doesn't make sense. We should agree with the Jewish people who were ready to kill him, not the killing part, but in their assessment of his words, if in fact John is wrong when he says that Jesus is God. In John 20, 28, near the end of this book, it says, Thomas said to him, that's one of his friends, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, he actually declares Jesus to be God. This is a guy who hung out with Jesus, declares him to be God. That's blasphemy, that's wrong, that's evil, that's vile, it shouldn't have been recorded in the book of John if in fact the word is not God, but the word is God and the word was God. There's tons of supporting passages that I could bring up, but John wants you to understand that Jesus is God, and he wants you to read this book with that in mind. And of, course, of course, this leads to an important question that I will not go deeply into today, but how can Jesus be with God and be God? How can both of those things be simultaneously true? This is an incredible mystery, one of the great mysteries of the Bible, to be honest with you, but not one that we can know nothing about. As Christians, we believe in 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 a triune God. That is, that God is one being in three persons. The Father and the Son are distinct, but not separate. They are distinct, but not separate. And as we move through the book of John, you say, wow, that's so complicated. You begin to see this relationship play out. Jesus himself saying, the Father and I are one. And at the same time, Jesus himself praying to his heavenly father. It's one of the great mysteries of scripture, but it is an important mystery to think about that Jesus can be both with God and be God himself. It points to this idea that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. And and I don't think you can rightly understand his life or more importantly for today, who he is without believing both of those things to be true. Jesus is was fully human and was fully God, even as he walked around on earth. Philippians 2, 5 through 7 says it this way, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. John's going to say it differently. He's going to say, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. Jesus was with God and he was God. He is God and he is with God now. We must, if we are going to understand who Jesus is, hold both of these things to be true, that Jesus was fully man and fully God, that Jesus can be with God and fully God at the same time. This is what the New Testament teaches us. It doesn't give us great analogies or anything that makes it make perfect sense, but it does teach it nonetheless. These... This idea, I, I know, even as I, even as I say it, is, is, is difficult. But at the same time, this difficulty is the only thing that makes other complex issues make sense. For example, how can Jesus forgive sin? Well, he's God. That's why. Why does Jesus pray? Because he's distinct from the Father. How can Jesus suffer? Well, he was fully man. How can Jesus make divine claims about himself? Because he was fully God. Like You can't read the book of John without holding both of these truths up and have it make sense at all. And I think certain people try to, and, and it's disingenuous in my mind, to try to, uh, to disavow the beginning of the book of John about who Jesus is and then to make, try to make sense what Jesus did. And I think maybe that's why John starts here, because, because he knows that if you read the rest of the book in an honest way, If you read the rest of the book and you actually pay attention to what's happening, then then you're going to not like Jesus very much unless you understand who he is, which is fully God and fully man. When you begin to understand who Jesus is, it surely makes what he did and what he said make more sense. It makes it less blasphemous and it makes it make sense. Here's what I think it all points to. Jesus is an eternal being who was God, is God, and was with God before the creation of the world. Now remember, I know, it's complicated, it's complex, it's uh, difficult. And, and here's, here's, I think, what makes it, you know, kind of more awesome. This claim is being made by somebody who knew Jesus personally. Uh, like, it's easy to go, well, it's complex, so I won't believe it. But for it to be complex and to have his good friend make this complex declaration, to me, at least calls for all people to explore whether the complexity of it is true or not true. This person loved Jesus. He knew Jesus. And he says, before, before it all, before the creation of the world, he was with God and he was God. And I say, if there's a chance that this is true, if there's a chance it's true, then it's worth exploring. Arthur Pink says, if a believer would enter into a better, deeper, fuller knowledge of God, he must prayerfully study the personic work of the Lord Jesus Christ as revealed in scriptures. This leads me to what I think is, is the first application. The first application of these, these verses is, is that if, if you want to know about God, then you must learn about Jesus. As we talk about this, I'm saying, hey, look, this is about who Jesus is. And the claim comes along and says, well, Jesus is God. And you say, well, I want to know about God. I want to know, you know, why God hasn't responded to my prayers. I want to know why God's letting things go on in the world that he's been letting go on. I want to know if God cares about me, if God is thinking about me, if God wants to be in a relationship with me, if God has forgotten about me. And and, and I think for John and hopefully for you, the answer is to say, I'm going to look at the life of Jesus and find the answers to these difficult, important questions. About what the God of the universe is like And more importantly for all of us I think What he is like towards me How he wants to interact with me I mean is he real, does he care What does he want from you, does he love you All of these questions And we all have them right Because even if you've been a Christian forever You have moments where you think Does God really care does God care about me? Does he care about the hurting and the broken? Does he care about the stuff going on around me? Does he actually care? And the, the greatest place to find the answer is in looking at the life of Jesus. And you are going to struggle to understand God, even if you stay a Christian, been a Christian for you know, years and years and years, you will, under, you will struggle to understand God unless you study the story of Jesus. Because Jesus was with God before the creation of the world, and Jesus is God. For those of you who aren't Christians, like, I mean, I believe in every person there is something that asks if God is real, if God loves you, if God cares about you, if you can be connected to God, you recognize that there's a spiritual side to you, even if you don't want to recognize it. And the answers to those questions are in Jesus. In Jesus, we find the answers to the questions we ask about God. And so I hope, I hope for each and every one of you, whether you've been a Christian forever or you're not a Christian at all, that you would first join us in the journey through the book of John as we look at this life as John writes these things to show us who Jesus is, I hope you would be with us for that. If you're not a Christian, so that you can maybe ask the question, is there something here that I should embrace? And if you are a Christian, so that you will get to know the God that you serve better. And then second of all, live a life of just trying to learn more about Jesus. Like, Read the gospels. You got to read the gospels, and you got to do it consistently. If your relationship with God is going to be everything that you want it to be, and so be with us in this journey, but also take seriously knowing Jesus more fully. Let me pray that we will do that, Lord. I thank you for this very weighty, heavy passage that is recorded for us at the very beginning of John, and I I just pray that we would um, heed the words as I as I thought about preaching this all week lord i thought about how and this is something i think about a lot god but how quick people are to dismiss you like people reject you jesus without really ever thinking about you and and i think it's because they've kind of heard some of the stuff that you you've done but they don't ever really consider who you are and i pray that you would use my words this morning lord to uh, to help people out there lord that are are rejecting you without much thought to stop and to really consider uh, whether there's any evidence for this claim that's made in John chapter one and and two I pray God that you would even use my words to to lead people into a relationship with you today lord and um, sometimes people they look at the the mess that that the church can be and and sometimes the Christians that they know and um and 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 they reject you but but in the book of John, we we start to see who you really are, apart from apart from maybe all that's made of you, God, by your people sometimes. And Lord, for those of us that are that are Christians, I I just I just pray that uh, this morning we would be compelled to to know you more through through you, Jesus. That we would be compelled to um, you know people would maybe would be compelled to go home and start to read the book of John to to hear what John has to say about you. Uh, people would be compelled to, to study you, to read a book about you by a great author who's taken time to examine your life. And it would all be in hopes that they would, they would know you, God, better. Not just, sometimes we just read the Bible, Lord, because we should, because we, you know, somebody told us to in Sunday school or whatever. Um, but, but let us read it in large part because we want to understand our creator and maker our sustainer better, and we know that that can only be done as we, as we uh, understand you, Jesus, more fully. I pray all of these things, uh, Lord, in your name. Amen.